You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic holistic physician, best-selling author, international speaker, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Sulfur is referred to as the forgotten mineral because it's rarely talked about by healthcare practitioners and in the medical field. But this mineral is very important for optimal body function, such as for muscle and joint integrity, cellular detoxification, and more. Although sulfur is the third most abundant mineral in your body after calcium and phosphorus, scientists are now saying it's possible you're not getting enough sulfur in your diet in spite of uh, the fact that it's found in so many foods such as eggs, meats, and vegetables. We're so excited to have Dr. Stephanie Seneff back on Wellness for Life. Our previous show's topic was on the toxic effects of glyphosate, and that was a fantastic interview. So if you haven't got a chance to listen in to that one, I highly recommend doing, doing so. Now today she is here to talk about one of my favorite minerals, sulfur, and its superpowers. Dr. Seneff is a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Now her recent interests have focused on the role of toxic chemicals and micronutrient deficiencies in health and disease with a special emphasis on the pervasive herbicide roundup and the healing properties of sulfur. She has authored over 30 peer-reviewed journal papers over the past few years on these topics. Awesome to have you back, Dr. Seneff. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, close to half of the sulfur in your body can be found in your muscles, skin, and bones. And in my clinical practice, I treat a lot of allergies and chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as fibromyalgia patients, and all of them are deficient in sulfur. First, do you think that we are all are deficient in sulfur? I expect so. I mean, I think in America, with the modern diet and with all the toxic chemicals that we're subjected to, I think definitely we are. And I think it's interesting that sulfur is sort of so common that scientists don't think of it as being possible for it to be deficient, you know, just because there's so much of it. They sort of think of it as always there, but that's not true. Right, right. Um, well, I did a little research on this and in for our um, in, uh, interviewing, and I found a very interesting article about the farming, the agriculture issues of sulfur deficiency. Right. And that's where it really starts. If we don't have uh, sulfur in our soil, then how are we going to have it in our food? Right. That's a good point. And I think that's what's happening. And we, we have gone to these artificial fertilizers that are mostly nitrate and phosphate based. And, you know, sulfur costs money to get sulfur fertilizers. And they the, the farmers don't necessarily apply it if they don't think it's going to actually improve yield because it's all about yield. They, they measure everything in terms of yield. And if they don't think spending the extra money for sulfur is going to improve their yield, then they won't do it. Even though the food they're producing is therefore subpar. It's right. Sufficient. That's right. You know, I was looking at some of the pictures of uh, plants that are deficient in sulfur. And then once they started um, repleting with sulfur soil, higher uh, levels of sulfur um, in the soil, the color changed. Uh, It was from a lightish green to a dark, rich chlorophyll, high chlorophyll looking uh, plant. So, uh, you know, we got to take a look at that, too. I mean, if you think about the vegetables that we eat, you know, why is it that some vegetables are lighter in that green color and we want that deep deeper dark green right and you know i think tomatoes like i suspect that tomatoes get a lot of their flavor through sulfur when they're sulfur deficient they taste very flat and i remember in the good old days when tomatoes were so fantastic and now you can hardly ever buy a tomato that tastes good and i suspect that may be connected to 
insufficient sulfur. So when you get extra sulfur in certain foods, it, it improves their taste a great deal. Oh, let's go into the food right now. What are the foods that we can eat that are high in sulfur? Well, of course, seafood and um, grass-fed beef and uh, organic eggs is a fantastic choice for sulfur. In the sort of meats department, there's so many um, animal-based Animal-based foods tend to have more cysteine. This is sort of um, organic sulfur, which is uh, sulfur molecules that are produced by living life forms. And those are really, really important. Um, and you can also get um, not inorganic sulfur, and a lot of that will come from vegetables. Vegetables also, of course, have some, but um, meats have more. I mean, everything has sulfur, basically. But the, uh, there are vegetables that are really good sources of sulfur. One of my favorites is garlic. We eat tons of garlic in my family. We we really go through garlic very quickly. It's a fantastic source of sulfur. And also onions and um, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, uh, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, uh, cabbage. These are all good sources of, you know, vegetable sources of sulfur. Well, there's definitely, with with garlic, uh, people can tell that you're having a great deal of it. And it is that sulfur compound that comes out that um, causes a great deal of, uh, how do I say, people will smell you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And that's if you've got an unhealthy gut. I mean, this is part of the thing that I'm seeing is that, and we talked about glyphosate last time, but glyphosate, which is the herbicide that's all over our food supply, it's in the uh, Roundup, which people can go buy to kill the dandelions in their yard. It's very pervasive in our environment, and I think it's a major player in the disruption of the entire sulfur system in your body. And starting with the gut, and so what's happening is that the, and it's been shown in studies. There was a study on E. coli that I really love, where they talked about enzymes that got uh, suppressed by glyphosate. And there's critical enzymes in the pathway that converts inorganic sulfur into organic sulfur. This is something that our cells are not able to do. Our microbes can do a lot of things that we can't do. Our cells are pretty stupid, actually. So we depend upon our microbes to produce uh, these sulfur-containing amino acids. Uh, using a pathway that's suppressed by glyphosate. And there's another um, enzyme that will oxidize sulfite to sulfate. Sulfate is absolutely critical. That's one that I feel is deficient systemically and causing major problems with the blood flow. The enzyme that oxidizes sulfite to sulfate, which human cells also contain, but that enzyme has a lot of vulnerabilities connected to glyphosate exposure. So if that enzyme gets disrupted, and the other one that goes from sulfite into organic sulfur, both of those get paths get disrupted, sulfite becomes toxic, and sulfate and, and sulfur-containing organic molecules become deficient. Sulfite is very toxic, and so the, the microbes have enzymes that will quickly convert it into something else, something useful. But if those enzymes are broken, and if you're eating sulfites, which are used as uh, preservatives in, in many foods, you know, for example, wines contain sulfites often, and preserved fruits, they're used to uh, to make things last longer. But if you are eating sulfites and you can't deal with them, then you're going to get a toxic effect in your in your gut. Sulfite's going to cause damage to your gut to your gut lining. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's you know, a lot of people suffer from symptoms of sulfite allergy, and it can be from itching on the skin to pain syndromes. I mean, I've had many cases where they've got neck pain, back pain, and it's specifically from sulfite exposure. Um, there is that yes, enzyme called the that. right, the SUOX, S-U-O-X yes. enzyme that uh, that's we the have. That's sulfite oxidase. That's what I'm talking about. SUOX, yes. Yes, yes, which converts sulfite into sulfates. And some individuals 
actually have variants. Uh, they either have a heterozygous or homozygous, and that can be a big problem. Isn't that right? Absolutely. I mean, if you have a major uh, defect in that enzyme, it will pretty much clobber you for life. I mean, I think the people who have that have severe problems and die young. It's it's an absolutely essential enzyme for your well-being. You mentioned about the inorganic versus organic. Can you just tell our listeners, because they might not know the difference, what's the difference and what are, what are they called? Yeah, so inorganic is just basically like uh, sulfite and sulfate. Um, those are simple molecules that contain sulfur and oxygen. Generally, if it's organic, it contains carb, carbon. And so the, these enzymes that the microbes have will take that sulfide or that sulfate and they will uh, pull the sulfur out of it and put it into a, a carbon-containing molecule to produce um, methionine. And methionine is the core um, sulfur-containing amino acid. It's essential because our cells aren't able to make it from, from inorganic sulfur. And then methionine can get converted. Our cells can convert it to all kinds of other useful uh, uh, molecules, other um, sulfur-containing amino acids, you know, like taurine and um, cysteine, also glutathione. Glutathione comes from methionine. So that's really, really, you know, and glutathione is a really important antioxidant in the, in the liver. And so it contains a cysteine molecule, which is derived from the methionine that the microbes make for us from the or inorganic sulfur. So it's just like the, the you know chlorof- chlorophyll allows the uh, plants to make uh, to bring um, carbon into the you know, organic uh, molecules, and then those organic molecules you add sulfur to them, and that becomes a sulfur-containing organic uh, molecule, which is a organic sulfur compound. If that makes sense? <laughs> oh, yes, it, yes. Complicated. It sure can. You know, I want to ask you a question about Johanna Budwig's work. Are you familiar with? She's a scientist. She has passed, of course. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, I I did a lot of research on her um, Budwick protocol and what she proposed uh, regarding having high sulfurated uh, protein compounds, combining it with um, the flax oil and and creating it as a water-soluble oil by mixing the high-sulfurated proteins. Now, she uses what she used what's called quark or pretty much cottage cheese. Now, I'm a, I'm a dairy-free individual and because I don't have any of the enzymes to break down whether it's a, a protein or the, um, or the lactose. Uh, so I don't, you, you know, have any dairy in my life. And so I was digging and digging and digging, uh, Dr. Seneff, looking for a high protein that was sulfur, sulfurated. And what, what I was looking for is a high cysteine and methionine food, right? To mix it mm-hmm. with the flax soil. Well, I've done, I did all my research and I found something that was just amazing. And I think I found a very similar um, food product that you can make a very similar to Dr. Budwiz. And um, I call it the oxygenating pudding because she claims that when you combine the sulfurated um, uh, protein with the flax oil, it actually oxygenates your cells. And so I called, uh, like I said, oxygenated pudding in, and that, um, what I used, the base for high cysteine and high methionine was, was egg white protein. Egg white protein. Yeah, egg white contains a lot of sulfur. I know that. It really does. And I egg mean, yolk does too, egg, actually. Right. It's a good source of sulfur. Right. So when I combined it all together, it makes a uh-huh. very powerful food. I mean, super powerful. I know that it does improve 
and pushes that glutathione production. Uh, definitely people, you know, when patients do it, their, their energy is better. They have less pain. Um, they have more flexibility in their body. Um, it, it, it improves, I think, mitochondrial function. So I'm and just now, adding... Do you, do you specifically think egg white and not egg yolk? Yes, because it's egg the egg white. Is the healthy part of the egg. I mean, right, but it's the protein. The what I mean is, it is a dried powder. You're trying to get the protein. That's like because the cottage cheese is a high protein food. Exactly. I took a yeah. look at the actual amount, the amount of um, amino acids in the same type of you know, because I I want I wanted a protein that had high cysteine and methionine. I looked at all the vegan like a soy protein, mung bean protein, rice protein. Yeah. None of it had the same levels as egg white. Yes, I can believe that. That's the thing because it's animal versus plant. You'll always find That's more. Right. I mean, generally you find more organic sulfur in animal-based products than you do in plant-based. So that's one problem. Coconut, by the way, is a good source of sulfur. That's a plant. coconut. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's good to know. So, you know, um, one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about was about how you look at cholesterol and sulfur together. Can yes, you very, very please give me topic. that? Yes. Thank you. That, that is so interesting. And in fact, I believe heart disease can be characterized as a sulfate deficiency problem. It's a very different view of the disease. Everyone thinks it's a toxicity of cholesterol, and actually it's the reverse. Cholesterol is desperately needed by the heart. And, um, and it, but it is delivered to the heart in the form of cholesterol sulfate. And when cholesterol sulfate is deficient, cholesterol is actually stashed in the artery wall, creating this cardiovascular plaque. It's stashed in the walls of the major arteries leading into the heart for a good reason. It's like a squirrel putting a, setting aside nuts, putting the, storing the nuts. The cholesterol is waiting to become cholesterol sulfate. And as soon as sulfate is available, it's going to get shipped out and delivered to the heart to deliver the, to the heart both cholesterol and sulfate as a package deal. And the thing is that both cholesterol and sulfate are difficult to transport. But when you put them together, you can just throw it right out into the blood and let it go. It's really interesting. Mm. I think that's super interesting because, you know, I was also thinking about how as we age, we have more difficulty in digesting, digesting proteins and getting that sulfur into the bloodstream. And then I was also thinking about how cholesterol is an essential um, uh, compound steroid um, precursor to hormones, steroid hormones. And Absolutely. as we cholesterol is so important in the body, it's ridiculous to think that it's a toxic, you know, people think of it as some kind of poison, which is so stupid. It's really, I always like to say cholesterol is to animals as chlorophyll is to plants. It is super, super essential. Animals would die without cholesterol. It is a really beautiful molecule and so important in the health of the cell membranes of the cells. The neurons, you know, need cholesterol in order to transmit signals. Muscles need it in order to be able to move. You know, it's really, really important. And, uh, you don't want to do anything that's going to deprive your body of cholesterol. You just don't want to do that. And the whole issue is that it's hard to transport, just as sulfate is hard to transport for, for very different reasons. And when you put the two together, magically those reasons disappear. You know, both of them become compatible. Together they make something that's easy to transport. And this is true for many um, special molecules. It's really interesting because the, the ster- all the um, Hormones that are derived from cholesterol, you know, you know, vitamin D comes from cholesterol and also all the sex hormones, they all come from cholesterol and um, they're all transported in the body, in the blood with a sulfate attached to them, all of them. It's really, really interesting. And also DHEA sulfate, I mean, these things are all sulfated and also the, all of the um, 
neurotransmitters like melatonin and serotonin and um, uh, adrenaline, all of those are sulfated when they're shipped around. And also thyroid hormone, sulfated. Everything is sulfated. And I think all of those things are actually playing an important role in the body to move sulfate around to all the different parts of the body because you need the sulfate to be everywhere. It has to be, you have all these sulfate anions seeking uh, into the membranes, into the lining of all the blood vessels. The blood vessels have all these sulfates lining them. And if those become deficient, then the blood has trouble flowing. It's really, really important. And so then the sulfate also creates it to be water-soluble? Yeah, sulfate is water-soluble, but you have to be very careful how much you allow. Free sulfate in the blood um, has to be very carefully controlled, and the body will flush sulfate even if it has, um, if it's deficient. It will flush sulfate through the kidneys if there's too much free sulfate in the blood. That's why you need these carrier molecules. Once you attach it to one of these carrier molecules, it changes its behavior so that it's no longer a problem in, in carrying it in the blood. Mm, mm. So then uh, taking high dosages of sulfur, as in um, the supplement MSM, that might not be a good idea? What do you think? Yeah, so methyl methane is an interesting molecule, and uh, I know a lot of people who swear by it, and they're taking it as a supplement. And I wouldn't say no. I mean, I, I think it may be good. And I think you have to really try it out and see if you can detect any bad effects. I mean, if you've got glyphosate poisoning, it's going to be difficult for your body to manage it. That's the thing. All the sulfur, the problem with glyphosate is that it disrupts the body's natural mechanisms for transporting sulfate because it messes up. All these transport molecules get messed up. All those neurotransmitters that I just mentioned, they're derived from the shikimate pathway. And the gut microbes have a shikimate pathway that glyphosate disrupts. It blocks that pathway. And that pathway produces the aromatic amino acids. And the aromatic amino acids can be sulfated in transit as well, but they get converted into all these neurotransmitters and into this thyroid hormone. And all those things are transporting sulfate. So when you don't, when you have a blockage in that pathway, you get deficiencies in all those um, important um, hormones and, and um, neurotransmitters. They all become deficient. And um, and therefore, sulfate transport becomes deficient. And it's the same thing with the cholesterol, that the um, the glyphosate messes up the enzymes that produce sulfate. I already talked about that, like a suox, sulfide oxidase. It gets messed up by glyphosate. And so it's hard to make sulfate. It's hard to transport sulfate. And sulfate transfer is probably also messed up, the, um, the transfer of a sulfate ion from one place to another. So there's mm. lots of ways in which I believe glyphosate is messing up the whole sulfur system, and mm. that's causing the body to gradually lose ground on the amount of sulfate that it has. Once the blood becomes deficient in sulfate, then you get circulation problems, and you start walking a tightrope between hemorrhaging and thrombosis. So your your blood is constantly trying to juggle between trying to prevent bleeding, you know, because the vessels are so fragile because they don't have that sulfate, and um, or you get, um, and then you so you make these blocks. You put you put in these plugs, which are the uh, the thrombosis. You know, these are like um, blood clots that you're trying to stick onto the holes to keep the blood from getting out. So you've got, and if those blood clots get loose and go to your lungs, you can get a pulmonary thrombosis, which can kill you. Or you can get a blood clot in your brain, which can cause a stroke. Or you can get hemorrhaging in your brain, which is a hemorrhagic stroke. So you're really the old people in in this country are all taking all these pills, like you know, Coumadin to try to protect themselves from a stroke because their blood vessels are so fragile. And I think all of that connects back to the sulfate deficiency problem. That's such a good point. Uh, I'm a big believer. I, I'm, I come from Korea and our food, what traditional food is kimchi. And I am a big believer that 
the microbiome has everything to do also with sulfur metabolism. Uh, can you touch on that a little bit? Um, I, I definitely agree with you, and as I've, I've already kind of touched upon that because I talked about um, how the microbes can uh, make methionine out of inorganic sulfur, and and the and the enzymes that do that are suppressed by glyphosate, so um, they're going to be impaired, and that's going to also make them sick. I mean, glyphosate is killing off uh, many of the beneficial bacteria. It's, a, it's an antibiotic agent, and it preferentially kills the good guys and leaving a gap where the um, pathogens can grow, and so you get clostridia overgrowth. You get a lot of imbalances in your gut that cause uh, various kinds of pain and gas and whatnot. Um, it's really uh, very... Um, T- tough to deal with. A lot of people have issues with various kinds of gut problems these days, and I think glyphosate is a major contributor to that. Um, and so when the microbes aren't healthy, they can't do the job they usually do to maintain the sulfate and, and, um, and also the sulfate carriers. You know, the, uh, the, I mentioned the um, aromatic amino acids. They're supposed to make those for you, but they, they can't. And those aromatic amino acids would be able to carry the sulfate. Like serotonin, for example, is produced in large amounts in the gut, from uh, tryptophan, and tryptophan is a product of the shikimate pathway, which glyphosate blocks. So you can't produce enough serotonin. is really important for peristalsis, for your gut to be able to push things through. So you can end up with constipation if you don't get enough serotonin, which is being blocked by glyphosate. But serotonin also is transported as a sulfated molecule in the blood, so it's also distributing sulfate for you. Mm. So it's basically sulfate synthesis, sulfate delivery, sulfate transport. They're all messed up by glyphosate. Right, right. Uh, gosh, everything is so entwined. And, and, you know, with the lactic acid bacteria that's so high levels in kimchi uh, that the scientists found, yes. they found that it really breaks down the pesticides, you know, and hopefully it's right. doing its yes. job and, with the glyphosate. Um, acetobacter. Acetobacter yes. is really great because that, and that's, I'm sure there's lots of that in, in kimchi. And uh, acetobacter is also in um, apple cider vinegar, which I like to try to get some apple cider vinegar every day because... Acetobacter is among the very few microbes that can fully metabolize glyphosate and use its phosphorus atom as a source of phosphorus. Most microbes can't break it down, so they just get poisoned by it. Right, and so right. Kimchi God. is fantastic. You're absolutely right. I love kimchi. <laughs> In uh, fact, it's a really good uh, source of healthy food. Yes. And it will I... really help, I think, to keep your glyphosate levels down. Even if you're being exposed, it, you can help. It's really great to... to Provide your body with something that can break it down because that's what you want to do. You want to get rid of it. If you're just going to pass it through, you're going to pass it on to somebody else, right? It's not going to go away. But if that's you can right. actually supply a, 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 a microbe that can break it down, that's terrific. Yes, yes. I'm I, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm writing my third book now, and it's going to be coming out soon. So uh, anyone who's interested... In kimchi health and the benefits of kimchi, um, look out, look out. It's so exciting. You know, where can we find more information? You know, the truth is I know that um, uh, you are a scientist, so it's not that you don't have like a, a website particularly, except the one that correlates with your school that you work with, um, your college. But I would like to um, mention to people that, boy, there are so many wonderful videos on YouTube and um you know, podcast with you on it. There's great out there. Is is there anything, one specific area you ask people to go to? Yeah, well, on my webpage at MIT, which is a complicated uh, webpage, but uh, I, I posted a lot of stuff there. I mean, I have a lot of articles that I've published in, in journals, which are pretty pretty heavy reading, but 
that's the real meat of the material. And um, I also have a lot of slides on my on my webpage. Uh, many different talks that I've given, I've posted the uh, the PowerPoint slides. And those oh, slides, wonderful. I think, are quite useful. If someone wants to pull up a, a slide deck and just kind of walk through them, you can get a lot of information out of it. That's Absolutely. really quite specific. And, of course, I have lots and lots of, um, as you say, podcasts and things like that that I do on a regular basis. Well, our listeners can go to the Radio MD page, and they will be able to get that website. It's a little bit more difficult to say here on the show, but definitely go to that webpage on Radio MD and you'll find that link. Dr. Senef, you're... And I think if you can remember, remember my name, S-E-N-E-F-F. Yes. If you can remember that, it's pretty unique. So if you type that word, I think you'll probably find my webpage at the top or near the top of the, of the search re- re- return. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, loved all this information. And we could have probably talked another hour uh, about the power of sulfur. Thanks so much for listening to this show. And if you've learned something new, gosh, go ahead and share it with your friends and family and go and uh, go to iTunes and give us a, some great feedback. Your support is super appreciated. And do connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. And if you need any guidance and want to dig deeper into your chronic health issues, uh, let's do some phone or Skype consultations with you and uh, get you back on your track. Uh, you can also get more information about myself on drsuzanne.com and my contact information is there. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well. <music>